0: Today I'm going to continue to speak and we are in a series of going through the book of Ephesians. You know, I, I, you know, when you read the book of Ephesians and you have an understanding of it, you think, well, this is an awesome book, let's preach on it verse by verse and then you get to the point when you try to explain it. And you realize that it is actually very complicated. You know, the way in which Paul wrote these things and... Uh, You know, this whole week I was just busy and I said, Lord, just explain it to me in a way that I can explain it, in a a simple way. Um, Because what what the Apostle Paul comes and what he does is, he takes takes his understanding of the Gospel and he puts everything in the first two chapters. Everything of, of what he knows about the Gospel. He takes it from the beginning to the end in two chapters and he uses very difficult words and this is the kind of a chapter that that the apostle Peter would have read and said that Paul says things that's difficult to understand you know so yet once you understand this you know it is actually very simple so um, I'm just going to read Ephesians uh, uh, Ephesians 1 from verse 3 to 7 and then we're gonna last Sunday we got 1 to 4 so we will Go down to verse 7 and and explain a little bit about a victorious life. So the title of this message is A Victorious Life. This is the second part of it. Last Sunday we talked about the victorious life that the Apostle Paul lived in and how he looked at people, how he looked at sinners in the church that don't live a holy enough life, that don't live a good enough life and he actually called them saints. You know, Because he had this perspective of the finished work and what Christ has done for every man in his heart and in his mind and then obviously wanting to remind the people in the church that don't live a victorious life um, to be mindful of Christ and what Christ has done for them so that they can then experience the quality of God's life so let us read this and as I read it it will sound complicated but it is so simple blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy or set apart as his kind and without blame in a position where we are measured where we measure up to him bringing no disgrace to him before him in love having predestinated us limited in advance us unto the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace now that sounds complicated you know how how does all these things work but um, i've narrowed it down to the following and this is what paul actually says He says, God has blessed us. He has chosen us to be holy and without blame before him in love. He has predestined us unto the adoption of children, which actually simply means, the adoption of children simply means to have immortality and eternal life in human flesh forever. That's what it means. So let me say it again. The Apostle Paul comes in Ephesians 1 and he says this, God has blessed us in Jesus according to the original blessing that he wanted to bless us with. And that blessing was to speak well of you, to speak of adoration, or to speak with adoration about you, to deal with you on the foundation of an equal being with whom he can share his life. That's what he says, Blessed be the God and the Father who has blessed us. This blessing that He has blessed us with is on account of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So He's blessed us. He has chosen us before the foundation of the world that we should be without blame before Him in love. So what God's plan was from before time is that He would have a being that is without blame before Him and that this being would be the recipient of His love And that this being would be in the love of God. In other words, that this being can also express this love and experience this quality of life that is possessed by God. Uh, Any kind of a life, you know, my wife and I were talking last night. If you think of God and when he gives you a command, uh, or if if we read something like what the Apostle Paul would say, he would say, um, don't hate each other or love each other. It's not because God, you know, decided before time that I'm going to create 10 rules and then people should walk according to these 10 rules and then by these 10 rules I see their faithfulness towards me and then I will reward their faithfulness, you know, with heaven or something like that. No. When God says, don't hate one another, don't walk in bitterness, don't walk in sexual immorality and all those kind of things, it is because we have never been designed to do that kind of a thing, and that breaks you. It kills you, it destroys you. If you walk in bitterness, for instance, what happens is you talk about the person that has harmed you all the time, and your mind gets legalistic and law-minded, you know, because you're thinking of his works all the time. And we have never been designed to function that way. We are a being that, that that functions from being inspired by someone that loves and cares for us, which is God. So we then walk outside of the parameters that we have been designed for and then we experience pain and frustration and not the original plan that God had before time. So, um... Jesus God then took it upon him to say I make it my responsibility to bring this quality of life forth in you and the only way that he could do that was to take the law system that we were under away so that he could manifest this life in us by his power and not that we could do it by our power for we don't have the ability to do that. Amen. So you'll have to, I mean, you have to get the CD and just listen to this again, because this is a vital part of this chapter in Ephesians, because what Paul is after in Ephesians 1 is the highest quality of life imaginable, manifesting in human beings on account of God's doing. That is what he's after. As people that believe in the grace of God, we are, we are, um, we, we've gained the knowledge that God is not angry with us. We've gained the knowledge that God doesn't look at our works. We've gained the knowledge that we don't have life by what we do. We've gained the knowledge that we don't persuade God by our faith or our faithfulness. But that God is already persuaded um, in His heart to what He wants for us. We, we've got all that knowledge. What we need to know as well, Um, you know, is that that is not the end of the grace message. The grace message end is experiencing His life. That's the end of this gospel. The end of this gospel is to have quality of life wherein we have so much love and so much uh, um, compassion and kindness and faith in our hearts that we actually can say we are not citizens of this world, but we are citizens of heaven, you know, of God, for God lives in us. Not that I'm saying we will be so heavenly minded that we will not be any earthly good, but that we would not find a life based on what who says about us, what our bank account says, what our business says, what, what even the emotion that I've been going through yesterday or the day before says, but that we have something that's greater than that in us, even... manifesting God in us that is what we are after that is what God is after and that's what Paul tries to explain so he says this is how God has done it he has blessed us he has chosen us to be holy so God has chosen that people will be set apart for him they will be blameless before him in his love and in no other way It says, He has predestined us unto the adoption of children. That word predestined, I want to just read the Greek for it. It means um, to limit in advance. To limit in advance. So God has limited us in advance unto this purpose. We shall have immortal life in this body, not just living forever, but living forever in His quality of life. That is what he, what he purposed for us. This is what Ephesians says. He planned that for you. And that is what we should make ourselves available for. Where we say, I am not available for a life that is born from legalism and works that brings forth pain and hurt. I'm not even to, to live a life where I need to confess five times a day that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, yet I live in defeat but where I've got a life where I know and believe I'm the righteousness of God and that He brings forth His righteousness in me. So he said, I limit man to this. Man before me will only be in this way. I will not have a relationship, a a, a love relationship, with a being that will be forever in death. So, The only way I want relationship with people is if they can have my quality of life. So let me create a system whereby they can have this life. And that system is Jesus and what He's done for us. Isn't that awesome? Imagine, you know, it would be like uh, me and my children to explain what predestined means. Um, When I had children, I, I predestined that the only way That I am going to have a relationship with my children would be in a friendship relationship. That's what it's limited to. So if my son wants to walk outside of that, and he wants to make it a boss-slave relationship, I'm sorry, I have not predestined you to that. So I am not settling for that. If that is what you want, it means we are outside of relationship. We are outside of the original plan. The original plan is that I would have children that can call me if they go through hard times. Children that can give me a call, that I can give a call, you know, and that we can fellowship together with around the joys and the heartaches and hardships of this life as friends. That's what I've limited. They're limited to that. If that's not what they want, I'm not changing. I'm not going to embrace any other system. If my son all of a sudden starts to do five good things for me because he thinks I'm going to do a good thing for him, I will will sit sit him down and say, Listen, I have not predestined you unto this. If that's how you want to live, you know what? I cannot do anything on that foundation. It does not do anything for me. It doesn't bring life to me. That's not what you've been predestined to. And so God has predestined us to the adoption of children. What that means is, He adopts man unto Himself. It literally means that God has predestined us that man would be like Him. He adopts Him unto who and what He really is and nothing else. Isn't that awesome? This is what the Apostle Paul says, and then he says, um, he has given us, so he has blessed us, he has chosen us, he has predestined us, he has given us grace as the foundation for this reality. He has made us accepted in the beloved, and this is what I'm going to get into. What I've just said was actually just a a recap of last Sunday. Now into what we've got for this Sunday. He has made us accepted in the Beloved. We were not fit for His kingdom on account of the law system we lived under. Therefore, He removed it and so made us acceptable. We are not acceptable. Okay, let me explain this way. When the Bible says God made you acceptable before Him, it doesn't mean that you weren't acceptable at a certain time. Mankind has always been acceptable. It would be, imagine, you know, I was in love with Helena, and now, you know, she, we were in love and everything, and then for some reason, you know, she fell out of love with me. And then she married someone else. Is she less attractive to me? No. Do I still want her? Yes but the thing is she's not acceptable to me for marriage anymore on account of her marriage to someone else it's not that I don't want her it's not that I now see her as dirty or anything like that what it is all about is she's now married to someone else so she's not acceptable for marriage because should I marry her I will commit you know adultery she's married to someone else so what paul the apostle comes and what he says here he says listen god has predestined us for these things but then man went and he in adam cut a contract with the law and married the law he actually married his own system of works righteousness therefore god man was not acceptable to god for marriage Man first had to become single again. Therefore Christ incarnated himself into a man under the law. He ended the law system and then we were made widows. And now we are acceptable to him. So being made acceptable to him is not that you were not acceptable on account of who you are. Who you are, he's always accepted. While you were a sinner, he loved you and gave his son to give you life amen while you were a sinner god never forgot the original plan which was i have predestined them i have limited in advance this is the parameters that they will be in now they went and married another system and another way of belief so how will i get them here It's not acceptable this way. I don't accept this for a foundation. This law, legalism, I am what I do system as the foundation from where I will have a relationship with them. I don't want to be in relationship with somebody that is works orientated and I am what I do orientated. I want them to be free and in a relationship where it it functions from I am and not I will become. So, what did he do? He incarnates himself into the system, dies the man away, or actually ends the contract of I am what I do, brought a brand new way of belief, which is in accordance to what he originally planned. And now we preach that to people. We hear that from God so that we can then believe and from that belief have his quality of life. And this is what the next verse says. So, just verse 6 there, a summary, know that you, when the Bible says, he has made you acceptable, doesn't mean, that you have not been, acceptable as a person, you are not acceptable for marriage, on account of, the, uh, um, the legalism system, we know in normal marriage, you know, we say, in Afrikaans, is daar enige beswaar, het jy nie voegenome met so en so, en hy beswaar is nie, Nee, maar ek wou eindelijk op jou hand nie. nie die, die beswaar is een beswaar. Okay? Is een beswaar. Waarin jy sê, No, this person is married to someone else in another country. So, lawfully, they cannot be married. They're not acceptable for this. This is not acceptable. He doesn't talk about the love relationship between the two. God has always been madly in love with man doesn't matter what man has done he's always been madly in love and his effort that he has brought forth in Christ is to redeem us and to free us from what kills us amen verse 7 let me go to verse 7 there it says in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace so in Christ we have then redemption The word uh, redemption or to redeem um, means to deem back, to buy back. So we were sold under the slavery of finding life by judging ourselves according to the glorious report we can raise up through our own works. Let me say this again. A friend of mine in America said it so well. What the law actually is, is when you think that you can raise up a glorious report about your own life by doing good things and then find life from that report. Let me say it again. The law is not just Ten Commandments, the Old, that's not the law. The law is, the law that will kill you is, I will raise up a glorious report about my own life by maybe being successful in business by how I treat my wife by how I think I should treat my children by how I uh, think I should do in business or whatever, you know how I should even worship in church, whatever I will get this glorious report about my own life then I will look at that report and then that report will give me life that is the law That will kill you. So, when Christ came, He redeemed man from that law, wherein you don't have a glorious report of your own life by your own works, but where who He is, is the glorious report about you. And when you look at that report, it gives you life. Amen. So, in order for man to have that glorious report, God had to do something. He had to glorify man. And how did He glorify man? He became a man which was in an unglorified state, which is Jesus. Then He died that man away when He died on the cross. Then a human called the last Adam was raised up, Jesus our Lord, in glorified human flesh. And that glorified man is now the report the glorious report of every human being he who looks into that glory is changed from one glory to another glory we were under the glory of i am what i do and now we are under the glory of who he is, is who i am and now we are changed by that power through the Holy Spirit into loving, generous, kind, giving people that share in the quality of God's life. That is what He says there. So He redeemed us and then the Bible says here, through His blood, and now we have got the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Now, His grace is the that works that that manifests him on account of a change of belief in our heart now let me explain it this way he redeemed us by buying us back okay through the resurrection his death and resurrection so now there's a new report about you but still you live here in a life of thinking bad about this one hating that one you, you, you're always fearing about your money. You've got all the things that bind you. As it always was under the law. Okay? Living a life in the flesh. So, now, he says, He will forgive you of these sins. Now, please, the word forgive does not mean, I'm not keeping it against you. The word forgive doesn't mean, I up for you. En as jij nie recht nie, dan gaan ek jou nie vergewe nie. En as jy nou recht doen, dan vergewe jou. That's not the word forgive there. The word forgive there means to end the contract or to send away or to, uh, to to deliver from the oppressing power. So what he actually says, the right word for forgive there would also be or the word deliver, would also really explain what the word forgives they means. So, God does not walk in unforgiveness towards man. God is not where he is in heaven saying, well, there's 7 billion people on the earth, uh, 475,550, I don't keep anything against anymore, but the rest, I am angry, and angels just let me know when they've said they're sorry so that I can forgive them and not be angry towards them. That's not how God functions. God has doesn't keep anything against anyone, but the word "forgive you" means to deliver from the power that's destroying your life. By someone that's not angry at, what's ha- um, at the bad thing that you do. He just knows you're being destroyed, he wants you free. So what he says here, he says, he bought me back, he redeemed me by that giving me a new glory to look at and now by his grace he forgives me, he sets me free. So it's not by my power that I'm set free from bitterness, that I'm set free from hatred, that I'm set free from all these things, love of money, love of this, love of that, and all the lusts that we might struggle with. No, he says by his grace he will, he sets us free. From those things and that is what he is uh, trying to say here so he says in verse 6 that this Jesus and what is done will be to the glory of his grace in other words we will bring praise we will have a good view of his grace for in his grace and by what he's done he's made us acceptable in the beloved and now he can come and this is what he's done and this is how, how he's made us acceptable in the beloved he redeemed us through his blood and now he forgives us according to his grace. So what can we expect as believers in the gospel of God's grace? We can expect to have a life that is not flooded with another man's sins in your mind. You can expect a life that is not flooded with your own shortcomings. L- thinking of that all the time. What you can expect is a life that is flooded with the knowledge of the beauty of man. A life that is flooded with the experience of a God that is holding on to us. We've so desperately tried to hold on to God as if He's running, not caring about us. And that's why I changed changed the words on that song. You know, we have, oh God, please accept me, please hold me. And then the next thing he says, I am holding on to you. I am holding on to you. I've heard the story. I don't know if it's true. Um, but one of the guys, there was this hot air balloon. I think was it was in Germany or somewhere that caught fire and fell. It was in America. I don't even know. Um, and then uh, people were jumping from this, this balloon. and People died. But then there was the one, I th- I don't, maybe I'm mixing up two stories, but there was this balloon and, and, and the thing fell. But people were jumping out of the balloon. But there was one guy, you know, that was swinging on a rope, hanging on a rope. And um, as this thing came down, and then people were waiting for him to, to leave because they know that he cannot hold on long enough. And then... You know, the thing fell, and he fell, and he survived. And they asked him, now, how did you hold on so long? He says, no, when I just came out I, you know, and was hanging on the rope, I realized I can't hold on long enough. I can't do this for another 20 seconds. So I took the other end of the rope and swung it around me, and then the rope was holding me, and I wasn't holding the rope. In the very same way with God. Holding on to God is to hold on to the fact that He's holding on to you. That is holding on to God. I'm holding on to the one that says, He holds on to me. And that just gives that rest. And this is what what He's bringing forth. So, what can we expect? We can expect a life where we, by His grace, experience freedom from flesh, freedom from sins. So let me summarize everything by saying this traditionally we have had this concept of God that God is a God that looks at our bad works he looks at and he gives a standard of living even in Matthew 5 that is higher than the law and that we should live up to that standard because Jesus died for us and now we try to do that and then he would correct us all the time so that we can have that quality of life. That's what the traditionally believed. But what Christ has come to do and said is, I have designed for you to share in my quality of life. And the only way you can ever have it is if I bring it forth in you. Then man, you know, fell into a wrong system. Jesus ended all of that. And now we are at the place where he is wooing us with his love and with his care, to a point that we, that our hearts change in what we believe, and so does he bring forth a brand new life, and so sets us free from sins in everyday life. To the point that we have now, like the Message Bible says, we have got a foretaste of heaven, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which we experience now, And then eventually we will even have that fruit of the Spirit inside an undying human body. On this earth, walking with Him in a glorified body with a glorified planet where we will forever live with Him in that way. So that is, so what we have today is we have got that foretaste of heaven by having all the characteristics and the personality and and the basic things of who God is in the spirit manifesting in our life we can experience signs wonders and miracles we can experience a love for people that we could never have naturally we can have a freedom that we could never have naturally we can have a generosity that we have never had naturally we can have we can live fearless fearless in a place where everything might show to us you cannot have success here but you can have that absolute life of freedom and that is all on account of the grace of God. Let me read one more verse and I'm ending off with this verse. Romans chapter 6 Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. The old man, you know, we, like, like, like the one guy said, you know, uh, Paul's dad was crucified because his old man was crucified with Christ. Like one of the thieves was Paul's, uh, you know, Paul's father. That's not the old man. The old man here talks about the man that found his glory, uh, that found his life by the glorious report he could work up for himself. That old man includes a very powerful sin nature, if you want to use that word. A manifestation of sin, which is even more powerful than the willpower of a man. He says, Therefore, uh, um, sorry, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. So that old system was crucified, that glorious report by my own works was crucified so that sin in my body could stop. Because it's destroying our life. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if you be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon, that word reckon there means make a mathematical calculation and come to this conclusion or connect the dots and say to yourself that we ourselves are also indeed now dead to sin, but alive unto God through Christ our Lord. So what God says here is He has not come to say I command man to stop his sin. What He says is I love man. I predetermined that man will have my life. He brought forth the platform where we can now have his life. He then gave his life to us and now his life is the life of every human being now we can behold this glorious report about man which is Jesus and as we believe it we find the power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that gives us a victorious life every day so if we go home after the service what should we think about this what must I then do about this this is the sim- simple practical application of this truth father thank you for what you've done and this body is available for this kingdom thank you lord that is all you do amen in the uh, beloved, in christ in in what he has done so he says he's made us acceptable accepted in the beloved so um, when christ ended the law man you know because remember when jesus was incarnated into human flesh. He was born of a woman under the law. So then He represented man under the law. So this beloved, Jesus, when He died, He died the law away, was raised by the glory of God. The glory means the report of who God is. So God raised Him by His glory. He raised Him. And now man is not married to the law. So in Christ, in what He's done for us, we have been made accepted for marriage. That's how I see, see uh, in, in the beloved. So, yeah. So, as we go home today, know this and just have this. And this is what I just say every day. And I just find um, my, my life is just getting more and more to the place where I just say, my body, my mind is available for this kingdom. I want to think like Him, I want all those things just like Him not by me deciding to think like Him, but by being available for this working. And the way we are available for this is by saying, what I see in Him is the report of me, and we believe it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your unconditional love. Thank You so much for Your care. Thank You so much, Father, that You looked at us, the original plan, our original design, and You never... Uh, went away from that blueprint you had for us thank you father that you have made us accepted in the beloved and that we are acceptable to you for marriage and as the word says in romans 7 verse 5 that through the body of christ we have become dead to the law so that we might be married to another even christ so that we through intimacy with you can have you bring forth your fruit in us thank you lord that we are not available anymore that we as a congregation as people that hear this even if it's via the internet that we can uh, uh, we can say we are available for the fruit of your spirit the fruit of your kindness the fruit of your love and your embrace of us thank you father that we can see kindness and peace and um, compassion that flows from our hearts in practical manifestation, in everyday life, like we've never seen it before, on account of your doing. And thank you, Father, that when we don't get it right, and we want to, we, we find that accusation come our way, we know that you are greater than any guilt, you are greater than any condemnation, and we can continue in the only report there is about our life, which is Jesus. Thank you, my Abba, that you are not angry and that you are friendly. Amen. Amen. That's it. God bless you guys. Those of you, um, just get your CDs. Order, um, order, the, uh, order the CDs. There are people that really need to have this message. Give it to some of your friends. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, Yannette um, reminded me. Uh, those of you that want to give via the web, we've made some cards there with the banking detail. We should have done it long ago. So uh, it is there. Thank you so much. Let's have some coffee and fellowship.